wonder if you have, have ever had an experience like I did this past week. Uh, I called up my dad on, I think, Monday, maybe Tuesday, and I said, uh, Dad, can you go over to Grandma's house? Because on the wall in the middle room is, uh, oh my goodness, a, uh, one of these things. I just blanked on what the, what the name of it is. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yes, thank you. Man, um, yes, they have one of these things on the wall. It's green, and it's one of those things where you look at it, and you see one thing, but if you fix your eyes on it, there's a 3D image that will pop out. And it's a green one, Dad. Can you go get it? And he goes, I don't remember that being up there. I said, I'm telling you, Grandma and Grandpa had that picture up on the wall. I remember as a kid going over to Grandma and Grandpa's house and seeing this image on the wall. And we went over there all the time. We went over there in the summertime because they had a pool, so we'd go swimming. We'd go over there on, uh, during the winter, during football season, to watch football. And I went and I looked at this picture all the time. And I remember because it, it was so frustrating because it's hard for me to see the 3D image on one of these. And so I'd always get frustrated, but the times that I got to see it, it was amazing. And so I said, Dad, here's what I'm going to do. I'll, I'll call Grandma, and she'll tell you where it's at, and you can go get the picture for me. So I called my Grandma, and I said, Grandma, remember that picture that you had on the wall, the green thing with the 3D image that pops out? And there was a pause, and she said, no, we never had one of those. So if you're watching and you had the green thing on the wall, let me know because I'm dying to know who it was. And really, I just wanted Dad to send me this. <laughs> this picture of this so I could use it to tell you, this right here is a great example of the Christian life. There is the seen and then there's the unseen. And the seen is frustrating, isn't it? It's hard to make anything out of it. It's difficult. But when you focus your eyes, you can see the unseen. The 3D image that pops off the screen and it makes you stop and say, wow. This is what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and in the beginning of chapter 5. And so the question we want to ask ourselves today is, as Christians living in the scene, what are we focused on? What are our eyes fixed on? Is it the seen, the here and now? Or do we have our eyes fixed on the unseen, the glories of heaven? This is what Paul talks about as we jump into the ending part of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul has just said that uh, he doesn't lose hope. Why? Because of the resurrection. He is convinced that Jesus died for him, that Jesus rose, and that he ascended into heaven, and not just for him, but for all people. And so because of the resurrection, he's going to speak. He's going to tell people about Jesus. And he said it's not been easy. There's hardships. But despite the hardships, despite being pressed on every side, despite being overwhelmed, despite being persecuted and struck down, He's going to keep going and not lose heart because of the resurrection. That's what we're picking up in, in chapter 4. Here's what we're told. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly 
we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul says, we do not lose heart. We have all these troubles in our lives, we have all these hardships, but we do not lose heart. We do not despair. And then did you see the two adjectives that describe his troubles? Light and momentary. You stop there and you say, Paul, I don't think you're in touch with reality because my problems don't seem too light and momentary if you ask me. You must have had a pretty easy life, Paul, that you consider your troubles light and momentary. But I assure you, Paul isn't uh, just some optimist. He's a realist. Let me put it into perspective. Paul in chapter 12, later on in the letter, he talks about the troubles and hardships he's going through and that he has gone through to preach Jesus. Here's some of them. He says that three times he was shipwrecked. One time he spent 24 hours in the open sea after being shipwrecked. Uh, one time he was preaching Jesus and the people of the city got upset so they dragged him out of the city and they threw stones at him. They stoned him until they thought he was dead. And if they, didn't, if they knew that he was still alive they would have stayed to finish the job off but they thought he was dead so they went back into the city. The amazing thing about that one is after Paul regained his strength he went back into that same city to continue preaching Jesus. Five times he was whipped 39 times. Three times, he was beaten with rods. He was imprisoned. He knew what it was like to be thirsty. He knew what it was like to be cold. He knew what it was like to have nothing. These are the troubles that Paul says are light and momentary. What's Paul's deal? He's a realist. And what's he a realist about? That his troubles his hardships, his difficulties today are light and momentary compared with the glories of the unseen. And that's your first point today. We, what is unseen outweighs the seen. Paul says the glories of what is unseen, the glories of heaven, far outweigh our light and momentary troubles here. Compared to heaven, our problems, our heartaches, our difficulties, our worries, our anxieties, they're light and momentary. That is how glorious heaven is. Don't misunderstand Paul. Don't misunderstand me. We aren't down, Paul's not downplaying your hardships, your difficulties, the troubles of your life. Because when troubles and difficulties come, it doesn't seem light and momentary, does it? When you experience a sickness that goes on for years and years and the doctors have no answer, that does not seem light nor more momentary. When a marriage ends, that does not seem light and it's definitely not momentary. It alters your life forever. When you're in school and there's a bully in your class and it extends to the whole year, that doesn't seem light, and it doesn't seem momentary. That's a long time. 
And even a a day like today, Mother's Day, that's filled with joy, there's still difficulties and hurts that come with that, that aren't light and momentary. There's some of you whose mothers aren't here with us today. They're with Jesus. There are some of you who are struggling with infertility. There are some of you whose children have passed away. Those difficulties, those troubles are not light and momentary, are they? And then to add on top of it, what does Paul say? Outwardly, we are wasting away. Outwardly, we're wasting away. It's graduation season right now. And uh, earlier this week, I just also so happened to see my graduating picture from college. And it seemed like just like yesterday that I graduated. But as I saw the picture, I realized it's been far longer since yesterday that I've graduated. As I looked at that picture, I saw how young I looked. No gray in my beard. No, what do they call this, crow's feet that extend out from your eyes. No bags under my eyes. I looked young. And it's just a reminder that this body is wasting away. What an... How does Paul not despair, right? You look at the troubles, the difficulties, you look at how you were wasting away, you look at the hurts and everything on our hearts, how does Paul not despair? The resurrection. The resurrection. The empty tomb. Because Jesus, his Savior, died for him and rose from the dead and the tomb is empty. And that's true for you too. Your Savior has died for you to forgive your sins. Your Savior has, uh, has risen from the dead guaranteeing the eternal glories of heaven are yours. That this world with its problems, with its heartaches, with its difficulties, will come to an end. That's how he says they're momentary. Because even if they last 90 years, it's temporary compared to the eternal glories of heaven that will never end and that are yours through your Savior. And Paul's whole point is that the eternal glories of heaven outweigh our troubles, our difficulties, and our hardships. That compared to that, the here and now is light and momentary. Paul says, fix your eyes on what is unseen, not on what is seen. And so what do you fix your eyes on? The seen or the unseen? What would your priorities say? Parents, you're raising your kids for adulthood, but are you raising them for eternal life? As you sit and you let your mind wander, what do you think about? Do you think about how you can continue to have the great life here? And how you can maintain uh, your, your status quo? Because right now, things are pretty good. Maybe actually up to this point, maybe you're thinking, man, my life sounds nothing like that. My life is amazing. I love my life. I don't really have that many troubles or heartaches. And so do you focus on how to keep that? 
For those of you who are going through heartaches and difficulties, do you focus on that and how to get out of it? Or do we focus and fix our eyes on the unseen? The cure of it all. That will be more glorious than the greatest life here on earth. That will be far more glorious than any difficulties that we have ever faced. Paul says, fix your eyes on the unseen because it far outweighs your troubles, your hardships, and your difficulties. And it's ours through Jesus. And Paul expounds on what this looks like as he begins with chapter uh, 5. Here's what we're told. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So Paul says, you want to talk about what is unseen, what is coming? How about this? Here on earth, we're in a tent. There in our heavenly dwelling, what God's going to give us as a body is a building. A tent is what? It's temporary, easily destroyed, offers little protection whatsoever, But a building is permanent. A building is sturdy. A building offers protection to the people in it. And God said this is going to be you. Right now you have a tent. God is going to clothe us with our heavenly dwelling and it's going to be like a building. Permanent. And Paul says we long and we groan for it. Why? Not because he wants to just escape the problems here, that his life is so horrible that he's just got to get away from his problems. He long and he groans for it because it's that much better than what is now. It's that much better than what is now. Here we try to clothe ourselves and we try to deal with the guilt and the shame. We try to deal with the aging and our bodies wasting away. We try to clothe ourselves and convince ourselves everything's okay. But God is the one who clothes us with a heavenly dwelling and makes it so much better. It's kind of like this. Moms, you probably know this better than dads do. Your kid comes out because they dress themselves that morning. And they come out, and they've got two different pairs of shoes on, two different socks. Their, their pants are off to the side so that, you know, the, the line that goes down is like down the right thigh. Uh, shirt half tucked in, half untucked, and their hair is an absolute mess. And you look and you just say, let me do it. Then mom dresses them and gets them ready, and and they come out, and how do they look? Oh, they look great. Matching shoes, actually, matching socks, pants over, shirt either tucked or completely untucked, and hair is nice. And if it's a girl, nice with the bow in, or barrette, and a boy, you got nice gel in, It looks great. This is the difference between how we try to clothe ourselves 
and how God clothes us. We suffer with guilt and shame in this world. We suffer wasting away and we try to clothe ourselves and take care of it. And we try to deal with the guilt by clothing ourselves with all these good works. But nothing takes it away. We try to deal with aging and and our bodies wasting away by preventing it, by working out, by diet, by surgeries. And yet nothing stops what's coming. And God says, let me take care of it. Let me dress you. And he puts on us the robes of righteousness. Jesus' robes of righteousness, of perfection, that he won for us at the cross, and he rose from the dead, and Jesus says, here, let me put my clothes around you. And never again do we feel guilt or shame. God says, come here into the unseen, and let me make you perfect so that you're never longing, so that you're totally fulfilled in every way, so that you're never wanting, you're never missing out, you're never longing for something. I'm going to give you everything your heart desires, and it's in heaven. Let me clothe you with your heavenly dwelling. Focus on the unseen, God says. Because the unseen far outweighs the seen. And that's what we want. But how do we get it? How do we take hold of it? Paul actually told us in verse 5. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. You see, not only do we want to focus on the unseen and keep our eyes on the unseen because it's going to be far greater than now, but also because, at your second point, God has fashioned us for the unseen. God has created you not to live here in this world filled with sin and brokenness. He's created you and fashioned you and shaped you for eternity, to be with him in heaven forever. And think of the length he has gone to shape you and fashion you and prepare you for it. We could start, if we really wanted to, we could start before Genesis chapter 1 where God knew you before the creation of the world. But he sent his one and only son for you to be your perfect substitute, to die on the cross, to rise from the dead, to take away all your sins, to conquer your greatest enemy, death. And then, from the very moment that you were born, he has brought you into contact with the word of God so that you know and you heard the message that Jesus is your Savior. And he's worked on your heart through that message, shaping you, fashioning you, preparing you for eternity. God doesn't just send you out and leave you. God is the one who's preparing you, shaping you, and fashioning you for the unseen. You were created for there, not here. And God is making sure you get there. Focus on the unseen, because it's far better than here, and it's what God has prepared you for. And because of Jesus, we know that it's ours. Not because of what we've done, but because of God. And Paul brings back once again that mortgage talk where he says, God who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Just like you put a mortgage on, we talked about this a few weeks ago, just like you put a a mortgage payment down and you put money up front, guaranteeing to the bank there's more to come, 
God has given you his Holy Spirit saying to you, I guarantee you there's more coming. And what's the more? All the glories of heaven for eternal life. It's yours all because of Jesus. This is why Paul says we do not lose heart because we have the unseen coming. No matter the troubles, the difficulties, the heartaches, we have confidence. And that's how Paul ends this section. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Paul says, we live in the seen, confident of the unseen. We are always confident. No matter the troubles, no matter the heartaches, no matter the hurts and the pains, no matter whether it's good times or bad times, we are confident because of the unseen is waiting for us through Jesus. We live by faith in the unseen, not by what we see. And that gives us confidence. Confidence through our troubles, confidence through the heartaches, confidence no matter what comes, because heaven is waiting for us. And so with that confidence, we live to please the Lord today and forever. Until that time when he brings us home to be with him, and we have the glories of heaven for eternity. God be with you as you live confidently, as you focus and fix your eyes on the unseen, because it's yours through Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we praise and thank you that you have won for us the unseen, the glories of heaven uh, that far outweigh everything that we go through here on earth. We thank you for that hope. We thank you for that confidence so that no matter what we go through in this life, we know that in the end we will be with you in our heavenly home, clothed with the heavenly dwelling where we won't be destroyed, we won't age, we won't die, we won't have any hardships, but it will be only joy forever. We thank you for that. We thank you for the confidence, and we ask you to help us to live in that confidence uh, every single day. Let the confidence we have in you and in that eternal life uh, be seen by those around us so that they too may be attracted to you and uh, come to faith in their Savior Jesus so that they too may have the confidence of eternal life. Help us to focus our eyes today once again on that unseen as we long and wait for that day when we get to be home with you forever. Amen.